Hi, welcome to my channel. My name is Lisa Alistway, and on this channel, you will find a variety of inspirational and informational videos. My guests today are married team Kim and Scott Goyette, who are able to travel around the world for a whole year. In today's video, they will be sharing their experience and tips and insights on how you can do it too. I will be linking Kim and Scott's travel consultant website and Kim's book, Just Plain Crazy, The Ultimate Guide to Affordable, Adventurous World Travel in the description box below for your reference. Welcome guys. Hey, hey, hey. Lisa, how are yes. you? Thank you so much for having us. You bet. Uh, just for the audience, I've known these guys for 25 years. So yeah. we have a long history. They're old friends. And young, um, young friends, young that's friends. Right. Oh, young, sorry, young friends. Sorry and that. I'm <laughs> very excited to have you guys today to talk about your world travels. Yeah. Um, but before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your background, starting with Kim? Yeah, so I am currently a yoga and wellness instructor. I teach yoga retreats all around the world. And um, I'm also a new author. Yes. <laughs> and Scott? I am a motivational speaker, a professor, a podcast host, an author, and a life coach, inspirational um, self-growth coach. So I just have a bunch of vehicles and use them all to help people get better. Fantastic. Fantastic. So can you guys tell me a little bit what gave you this idea that you would want to travel around the world, starting with Scott? So traveling around the world. I mean, the day that Kim and I met, um, the inspiration goes back to literally our initial meeting when we first uh, came in contact with one another. Um, I was actually walked into a business and I had just broken up with somebody. She had broken up with somebody and I literally said, Hey, let's go to lunch. We met. And within two weeks, we talked about buying an RV and we ended up traveling around the country together and ended up staying in Texas. And that's the very short version of that. And so we've always had that itch of what's the next trip. What's the next trip? What's the next trip? And of course we have a now 15 year old daughter. And because we had her, we, we wanted to make sure that she had the exact same kind of opportunity to see the world as we did um, because we traveled so much on our own. And so we said, let's have one year that we just take Kayla and just travel around the whole, whole world, see as many countries as we can. And we'll tell you later, she wasn't as excited to do it as we thought should be, but like everybody tells us, she'll appreciate it later. But um, we've always had the travel bug and I felt like we had no choice. We had to do it. Fantastic. You have anything to add to that, Kim? Yeah, I do. So yeah, Scott's right on. I mean, we, we, as soon as we got together, we just started traveling immediately within weeks. But one of the things that really sparked our interest in doing the world trip as a family was um, when I was turning 40, Scott and I took a trip to Peru to hike Machu Picchu. Mm -hmm. And part of our trip, we traveled around with a group of people and we met this woman a mom who was traveling around with her two young girls. One was in middle school, one was in elementary school. They had taken off for a whole year to travel around the world. So when we heard that they were so courageous and that they were doing it, we said, oh, wow, we have to do this at some point. And Kayla was only in kindergarten at the time. So we knew it was going to kind of be a future trip, but that's really what planted the seed for this world travel for a whole year. 
Very cool. And I'm sure we're probably planting some seed today just with this video. So awesome. Um, so let's talk about how you guys prepared to make this trip and to be away from your home, be away from friends and family, all the, you know, the things that you had to think about in preparation. So Kim, can you tell us a little bit how you prepared for it? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, we thought about it. It was uh, the seed was first planted when Kayla was in kindergarten and we decided that we were going to go when she was going into sixth grade, that transition to middle school. So we had several years to kind of plan. So there wasn't actually a lot of planning going on in the beginning. We mentioned it to friends. We mentioned it to family, which helped us kind of keep moving towards our end goal. But I would say, I don't know if you agree, Scott, but most of the planning was done maybe six months before the trip started. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them, which was the biggest one was what is our income going to be while we were on the road? So we decided to rent our homes. We had a cabin in our main home. So we were focused on that a lot and getting those houses in shape. And then what are we going to bring? Where are we going to go? I mean, these are all the questions. There's a lot to think about before you plan a year long trip. Most definitely. Anything to add to that, Scott? I'd definitely add something to it. Um, you know, you heard her point that most of it happened at the end and there's a reason for that. And one of the things that Kim and I teach in our yoga wellness and personal growth retreats, and I teach in my coaching programs is the power of imagination and manifestation. And we literally were painting a picture of what it was going to look like. Now, while we didn't know exactly where we were going to go or all the little details, we certainly knew it was going to be big and be amazing and be awesome. And that was something that we started painting. And when you talk about it with people and you're already feeling it and just knowing that it's happened already, it can't help but work out. And there's a lot of details that we'll share throughout this conversation with you that there were times we're going, did we paint this picture right? Is this really going to work? But if you manifest it, if you build it in your mind, if you can imagine it, it'll come true. Most definitely. So you guys were thinking and preparing for this for years but when you got closer to the date, you really set the thing into motion those last six months and getting everything in order. And I know, Kim, in your book, you give some great tips and ideas on that preparation for world travel. Yeah, there it was pretty intense, I have to say. So world travel is not for wussies, right? I mean, it's yeah. the preparation in itself is can be very overwhelming, but as Scott can attest to this, you know, you step through that first veil of fear, you know, stepping out of your home, closing the door behind you. We were homeless for a whole year. And that was, you know, that was, you know, horrifying and so freeing at the same time. And then once we got into the whole groove of the adventure, it was unbelievable. So the work pays off. I mean, in like a million fold once you get through it, but it is a lot of preparation for sure. Most definitely. Um, so you guys did this uh, pre-COVID just to let the viewers know. And uh, it was quite of amazing because you did it like right before you, you did this starting in 2018 leading into 2019. Yeah. So what was your game plan um, for this? What was, what were y'all thinking as far as your travel itinerary? Kim, what do you have to say? Yeah. So we, you know, before we took the trip, we got a general idea of some of the like must-see places that each of us, all three of us wanted to go. So our daughter, Kayla, at the time was 11. She chose three that, you know, she's a city girl. So she wanted Paris, she wanted London, and she wanted um, Tokyo. 
So we had to put those on our list because, you know, just to keep her going throughout the trip. And then for me, I was always called to Thailand. I wanted to learn Spanish while I was on the road and um, hopefully Kayla as well. Scott speaks some Spanish. Um, So we wanted to focus on Central and South America for a while. So those were the kinds of things that that we started talking about. And then I also really wanted to see where my, my ancestors are from. So I'm from Eastern Europe. My ancestors are from Eastern Europe. And so we kind of weaved that into the trip as well. Okay. You have any thoughts, Scott? Yeah, that's pretty much on point. And my role, um, you know, anybody who's in a partnership relationship, husband and wife, um, partner, you know, that each person does something really well. And the other person goes, how the hell did you do that? Well, my, my gift is I can look at things and go, okay, we'll go here. Here's the best value. This is the right time year to go here. And so I was able to figure out as we went into South America and we came back and then went to Asia and came across to Europe. um, I was able to orchestrate that. I have to say pretty darn well, that worked out pretty well. We didn't die. You know, that's what we were looking for. We wanted to come back alive and we had a great time and, and we didn't kill each other. Yes. <laughs> there's, some, there's some value in that, right? Most definitely. We'll talk about some of that stuff uh, as we get down the itinerary here. Um, so let's talk about leaving day one and what that felt like for you guys, starting with Scott. Well, the leaving day one was cool because we were with a friend of ours in Houston, Texas. We flew to Houston. We spent the night. And um, I'm going to share an important story. Um, your, your cat, Moo Moo was brought into the hotel room and had to pee so bad <laughs> that Mumu made a decision, said, I can't just pee on a carpet and jumped in the tub and peed. So I knew, I don't know if that's a form he of good manners. luck. Manners. <laughs> and I just thought it was some like, good luck. You know, a bird poops in your head. I was like, cat pees in the tub. This is going to be a good trip. So right, that's, good that was, that's what <laughs> I saw. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I remember that you forgot a very important credit card. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, we actually had, how did we handle that? I'm trying to remember. I don't know if we forgot it, if it wasn't delivered yet or something like that. No, no, we, it was actually at P. Terry's hamburgers. Oh, behind somehow. I don't know how. I think your parents mailed it to you once you got somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was, those are all the little details you got to really think about, but yeah, I didn't even remember that. I just remember I was alive. I came back alive. Yeah. That's That's right. That's right. You know, for, for me, leaving and closing our door and walking out and only having a backpack and a, you know, a carry-on bag for each of us and leaving all our belongings behind and just stepping into the total unknown was very liberating. At first, I, w- I was filled with tons of fear up until that point. And then we sat down on the plane and took off and Scott and I looked at each other and we're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is our life. So it's totally freeing to be able to not have all those ties back home, to not have to worry about your house, to only have what's on your back as your belongings. And just really, you know, the world is literally your oyster. So I, I absolutely loved it. Yes. And for the audience, Kim has very much a minimalist type of mindset and practice minimalism pretty well with like clothing and everything. So it was very simple for you to do that. And actually, I know you welcome that kind of simplicity in your daily choices and so on. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we had about five outfits for each of us. So we didn't have a lot of choices. You didn't have to think. And that's one worry that is not hanging over your head. It keeps life really simple when when you keep everything simple. Absolutely. So I know you guys, um, you started in the summer of 2018 and you took off first to South America. So let's just kind of touch on maybe some of the highlights of that first leg of your trip in South America, maybe a memorable story at a country that you want to like uh, showcase, starting with Scott. Memorable story. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. I'm going to let Kim go first. Okay. I'm going to default to Kim on this one. I'm, I want to think, I want to buy some time. Yeah. Well, you know, our first stop was Costa Rica. And I think that was a really good first stop for us because we were familiar with that country. We had visited for a number of years, including Kayla. She had gone with us. And so I thought that that was a really comforting way to ease into our trip. And then as we started heading more south, we decided, um, you know, this wasn't right in the beginning, but maybe three months into it, we decided to stay in Chile. Um, for about, gosh, we were there maybe two and a half months. And about seven of those weeks, we chose a very small town in Chile um, that it was called Talca, that was in the middle of nowhere. And it was very local because we wanted to live like the locals. And I have to say, it was the first time I had ever done that. Um, Scott lived internationally before, but I had not. And it was so powerful. The people were extremely welcoming. Everything just started, like all these resources started to come to us and people were inviting us over and to local celebrations. And we just felt so embraced. And so, I, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can do a long-term travel trip. One is just hop from country to country and see as much as you can. And we did some of that. But I actually really enjoyed staying put for a chunk of time, getting to know the language a little bit more, really getting involved in the culture and the local people and, and the town of Talca really opened their arms to us. So I was so grateful for that experience. Very cool. Yeah. cool. What about you, Scott? So I'll, I'll tail on to that. Um, so when we were in Talca, it was really, it was definitely the right choice. And I would highly recommend that when you start a journey like this, to go to one place for a little bit because you're jumping out of your home. You don't want to just go full speed. Like there's, you know, you're still trying to process your brain's going, what's happening here. So going to a place that's a little foreign, but still having some roots in a way, your feet are on the ground. I can go to a restaurant more than once. Cause I'm not leaving tomorrow. It just felt good. And you start to get to know people. You know, I joined a gym for a month. So, you know, I was actually part of their community. You know, you're walking in place. They're like, Hey Scott, Hey, you know, it was really kind of nice. But one of the things while we were there, we were told that you absolutely cannot leave Chile without going to Patagonia. I'd say one of my most memorable times with that question is we went and stayed at this uh, hotel called The Singular, and it's the number one hotel in all of Chile. And it was second to none in, in World War II or World War I, I forget what it was. It was a um, place where they were creating leather and stuff, processing sheep, processing the skins. And so... They rebuilt it. It's in this perfect place so that we have access to go to all the different mountains and all the different beauty that Patagonia offers. And it was almost like the universe just said, we're going to make the weather exactly what you need it to be to get the full experience. Because people said, you never know what you're going to get, but you've got to go there, but you might not be able to get access to this, to this, to this. 
the minute we went to like, um, what was it called again? Um, Torres del Paini. Torres del Paini. Yeah. So Torres del Paini. So when we were there, um, it's the Twin Towers. When we went there, it was like the whole sun just opened up. There were no clouds. It was the perfect day. We had this picnic that they prepared for us. And I almost thought I was in whatever heaven is. Yeah. I was like, wow, like everything came into alignment. I can't, I can't explain it any better way than that. We were sitting there. We multiple times we turn and go, this is our life. Yeah. And that was one of the times where I said it and I was like, I don't believe it. I don't <laughs> even believe it. Yeah. It yeah. was just mind blowing. Yeah. So when, when were you guys like booking your hotels kind of like a week out or where you were going to stay? Like you were doing that on the road. It wasn't like you had the whole thing planned out, right? That was on me. Yeah, Scott's the master. You know, in the beginning, we we knew in the very beginning of our trip, we had a couple of places planned out because we were teaching some yoga retreats on the road. And so we knew that we had to be somewhere at some particular time. But many times we filled in the blanks. When I say we, I mean, Scott, <laughs> he was the master of all the planning. So he would hop online. We'd have a general idea of where we wanted to go. And then he would just find great deals on hotel stays or Airbnbs or different you know, venues for accommodations. And then he'd find good flights. And then that's where we would go. So it was actually very... Um, for the moment, oftentimes, because we, we had a general idea and then he would just fill in the blanks for us. And it ended up working out really well, having that flexibility. Very cool. So I, uh, had the fortunate opportunity to join you guys, uh, and visit you, uh, over my Thanksgiving break. And it was interesting because I was able to bring along one of, uh, Kayla's friends. Uh, she was, she flew down with me and so that she could visit Kayla. Cause I know Kayla was homesick. And um, I had, like I said, the fortunate uh, ability to see you guys in Antigua, which was amazing. Yeah, Guatemala. Yes, that was, that was um, I, you know what, Lisa, that experience with you, we went to a, um, a coffee plantation. And that was one of the highlights of my trip. It was absolutely fabulous. From bean to cup, we got to experience not not from a big farm, but from a very local farmer and go to their home and have lunch at their home. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. The whole experience right on the side of a volcano. We got to watch a volcano erupt together. That yeah. was so crazy too. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, there's like a lot of once in a lifetime experiences, just like that one, when we were with you, we had those weave throughout our entire trip. And it's like, you, you just can't imagine um, being exposed to so many incredibly beautiful or awestruck things as you do when you go out in an adventure and you're just open to receiving whatever the universe gives you. Yes. Yeah. And I was definitely impressed with Scott's driving skills uh, when we were there because <laughs> they don't have like the same rules that we have in here in America. And there it was no, rules. Like, no rules. No rules. Yeah. It was something else driving in yeah. that traffic. Yeah. Crazy. Craziness. I, I will say though, like to that point, there's so many insane, amazing, beautiful experiences that happen. It's hard to actually pull one. But like as soon as you went to Guatemala, so we were on a roof in Antigua on somebody's home. And we're sitting there, we're drinking wine and we're laughing. And suddenly I go, fuego. I go, it's, and it's called yes. fuego. It's called fire. I go, 
it's erupting and everyone's like, yeah, whatever. And they're still talking. I think it was you. I'm fine. Like I'm least look, it's a, it's definitely erupting. I'm positive. Yes. I, I'm not like a volcano expert, but there's stuff spewing out of it. And, and you guys are going, maybe it is. I'm like, no, it definitely is. And then everyone's like, holy shit, it's erupting. And it yes. really was erupting. And we they evacuated the like 10,000 people. It was coming down on the other side. Mm-hmm. But the point is we're literally sitting there casually drinking wine watching a volcano erupt like a mile away like you don't get that you know it's typical tuesday in some countries but not here yeah, yeah it exactly. was special it was magical like very much so. a lifetime thing for me is my first probably maybe not my last volcano but it was awesome they I, don't even need, I don't even need another one <laughs> i don't need another one i'm good yeah um, so i know you guys made it all the way down to uh patagonia which was amazing and beautiful I, from the pictures that I saw. Um, any thoughts on that one uh, when you were in Patagonia? Oh my gosh. You know, I would say Patagonia was the, for me, the most unique beauty that I've ever seen. Cause there's many beaches, you know, that we're blessed to see and many beautiful mountains and hiking trails and things like that. But Patagonia is so pristine. I've never seen the color of blue so crystal clear as I, as I did there, mm-hmm. the sky and the water is so clear and pristine. You can't tell where the sky ends and the water begins. It's unbelievable. So I would say that was probably one of the most unique beauties that I had ever experienced. I'm so feel so grateful because it's a pretty big hike. You know, it's a trek to get all the way down there. There's many stops. And I just feel very lucky that we were able to make it on our trip. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So you guys started, like I said, in the summer of 2018, you started going with Central America into South America, and then you decided that you were going to come back to the United States for the Christmas break. Um, So why did you feel that it was need to interrupt your world travel and to come back for uh, Christmas? Yeah, I, you know, I would say first and foremost, our daughter Kayla was really missing the comforts of home, friends and family. And it was actually just the perfect time to come back and reset six months into our trip. We left in June. We came back in December for about two weeks right before, right between Christmas and New Year's. And so it it gave her some grounding time. She was able to eat all her favorite foods because there was a lot of foreign foods that a young kid, you know, isn't used to, I mean, they're used to mac and cheese and burgers, you know? And so here she is traveling all around the world, trying to, you know, trying to find something to eat. So she felt really good about that, Mm -hmm. hung out with her friends a lot and just got grounded with family. Um, And then it was a really good time for us to figure out, you know, surprisingly with a backpack and a carry-on, you would think, oh my gosh, you're going to use everything. But we realized really quick that we did not use everything that we brought with us. So we dropped off and left some things behind and replenished some other things. And, and while you're on the road, surprisingly, some of the most simple things that you think that you can find are not accessible, like certain vitamins. So we restocked on things like that. And uh, it was just a really good reset for all of us. So, I, you know, I felt replenished after, after it as well. So you'd recommend adding some kind of time to come back maybe recharge your batteries before you do a complete around the world. 
especially if you're traveling with kids. With kids. Yeah, I think it makes a big difference when you're traveling with kids to be able to have some type of grounded time uh, throughout your trip. It can be, you know, weaved into anywhere, but it just worked out perfect that it was right around the holidays for us. So even better. Yep. Anything to add to that, Scott? No, I fully agree. Um, I mean, there's, I, 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 if I were to do it all again, I would do the exact same thing and have the time you come back for the holidays because the time you're connecting with family, nobody's working. It's, it's, you know, a, a peaceful time. You're celebrating, like, you know, being together, you're going to guess it just, it's exactly what you need. It, the country just feels right. Like it just felt very organic and it's, yeah, it was definitely the right thing. And that's a great point too, because we were trying to find um, probiotics and everybody, if you've got probiotics in almost any other country, especially South America, it's not a proactive thing. Like people don't take probiotics. You take it because you took um, um, antibiotics. antibiotics and then you're taking it with a prescription to reboot your, your good, um, yeah, the, the good bacteria. bacteria. So it's literally, it's, it's weird. And you, and you can't buy a bottle. You buy like five at a time for like 20 bucks. So we came back and we got a bunch of, you know, stuff like that so that we could have that. Very yeah. cool. So you did your Christmas break and then you did the second half of your world travel and you wanted to start off in Asia. So let's kind of work through maybe some of the countries that you touched on and maybe some memorable stories in the second half of your trip, starting with Scott. So this, I wanted to start the second half off right because first of all, you know, we've, we've got a kid who's going, we're about to do this again. So we got to go straight to Tokyo to start, period, because that was one of her dream places to go. And then for Kim and I, I'm like, if we're going to go to Tokyo for a 14 and a half hour flight, it's going to be in business class because we want the beds and the champagne and the whole nine yards. <laughs> so um, let's just say this, like, I'm, I'm never going to say exactly how we did it, but I will say we got it for a really, really, really cheap price, but I don't want to get in trouble um, because I have status on these airlines. But I will say that you... The, the, the deal we got was phenomenal. We flew business class. We had amazing hotels that we were staying at. And the, the priority was comfort, ease back into it and get that kid to Tokyo. And, um, <laughs> and I do have actually, let me, I got to share this one story. So we get to Tokyo and one of the things that we're used to is, you know, we have status with Hilton hotels. So we enjoy the, the lounge and, there were so many people that must have bought rooms that had lounge access that we had to wait. And so we weren't able to get um, into the lounge, which was like irritating because we were waiting to eat there. So they're like, yeah, sorry, um, you could come in at like seven. So we're waiting like two hours to get into the lounge in our room. We finally get in. There's like no food left. And they're like, we're so, so sorry. What would you like? And I'm like, I don't know any kind of protein. Well, these guys are tired of waiting. So they go back to the room and they bring three of the uh, Kobe beef steaks, like wow. the most expensive steaks. And I just sat and ate three steaks by myself with a bottle of wine. And that might've been my favorite Asian experience. It was to this, to this day, I'm like, could I just go back to that moment one more time? <laughs> my, my favorite Japanese experience are the toilets. They are amazing. If you've ever ever get a chance to poop on a Japanese toilet <laughs> in Japan that it is it is it's life-changing nice. it's beautiful <laughs> the seats there's buttons the seats warm there's like you push one button and the water shoots up in your frontal parts you push another button it shoots in your back parts and then there's music playing it like air dries you it's unbelievable <laughs> I was so spoiled I didn't want to leave 
That was Kayla my kept, part of Kayla kept running in and pressing buttons. She thought it was the funniest thing. She'd run in and kick the I'd door like, and Whoa. press the buttons and then run out. We'd just listen to Kim. We'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was real. They're really, Jap the Japanese have it down. Very cool. So I remember you guys went to Thailand. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us maybe a funny or memorable story from Thailand? Yeah, Thailand was incredible. I It had been calling to me for years. I just really felt connected to the Buddhist nature and, and so on. And when we got there, we got into Bangkok and Bangkok is one of the craziest places on the planet. I cannot tell you that it's just absolute chaos. And so when we got in, I, I was so disappointed because I thought it was going to be the beauty and the peacefulness that I had imagined. And it was absolute chaos. And I, you know, plus the jet lag and the time difference. And so I felt like I hid out in the hotel personally for a few days because I was just so overwhelmed. But then once I started to venture out, the Thai people are some of the nicest and warmest people on the planet. It's the land of the smiles. And I can see why, because everybody is very loving. And so even though the chaos was going on in Bangkok, we actually really did enjoy our experience there. But even more so, we got to venture out to, um, to a few different places up in the mountains in Chiang Mai when we got to go to this incredible, uh, it was a temple all the way on top of a mountain on the full moon, they were doing this huge full moon celebration. And it was, we just sat up there again. It was like absolutely surreal. There's Buddhist monks that were singing to us and then everyone is praying and the full moon is out. We're overlooking this beautiful city. And again, it was like this surreal moment. Um, and so we, we got to travel and I think we spent maybe about two months in Thailand because we loved it so much. Oh, yeah. And it's so damn affordable. It's like, yes. it's almost free. It feels like it's crazy. So if you're looking for um, your money to last a long time while you're venturing, then Southeast Asia is the place to go. Very cool. Anything else to add, Scott? I, I love Thailand. And I can honestly say that Pai is one of those um, unsung hero places that if you can ever go to go, the only caveat to getting there is you got to go fly. You can fly into Chiang Mai or Bangkok. Um, but Chiang Mai is much closer for the drive. It's maybe a three hour drive, but it's the windiest road on the face of the earth and not just windy, but windy and like up and down. And mm -hmm. so it's almost a guarantee that you're going to throw up no matter how strong your stomach is. So someone said to us, they're like, you know, if you do go, don't take public transportation and find somebody that comes recommended. That's a really good driver. And we're like, how important could this be? So we found this person who had their own limo and they were like literally slowing down the corners going, I'm always like, get there, get there, get there, hurry up. And I'm like, thank you. They were going <laughs> so slow and so nice. And then we got there and it was pure magic. It was mm -hmm. people like the tattoo artists, everything was just very like ethereal and beautiful mm -hmm. people making food on the streets and everything was super healthy. The energy, the yoga, the animals were all coming up to you, the cats, the dogs, it was, it was like this like magical fairy tale world that was at the end of this horribly windy road. And right. it was wonderful. Very cool. I know one of the things you do, Kim, is you always write like a thank you gratitude note to the housekeepers whenever yes. you stay in a hotel. And um, I forget what country it was, but you guys missed a bombing 
at a hotel. Sri Lanka. Yeah, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Like one, you were there that hotel like the week before it happened. Yep. In this, we were eating breakfast. The bomb would have went on underneath us because we were sitting next to the window. It would have literally blown up the place where we were sitting. Yeah, we were. You know, it, it's kind of touching on safety a little bit um, when you're traveling or vagabonding or long-term travel. Um, we surprisingly felt incredibly safe our entire trip. We never had a run-in with someone that was pickpocketing or we never felt unsafe. And I think it's because of it's twofold. It's because we just assumed that we were, um, that that's the way the trip was going to run, that we were going to be protected. And the second thing is, is that we thought really wisely about how we packed and the luggage that we brought so that we were not flashy at all. We didn't bring any flashy jewelry, no big cameras, nothing like that. So we, we didn't, people weren't red flagging us because we weren't being showy uh, of our belongings at all. There's so, one exception to that though. Definitely. When we were in Chile at the train station in Santiago. Yeah. At the train station that was, it was very no one did anything, but you had to be more conscious for sure. You, you yeah. have to catch eyes with people yeah. because they're watching you and you let them know you see them. And I was already okay. told that. So, I mean, even as a guy who's 6'4", 230 pounds, I, I had guys like looking at me. You could tell they're like, is he going to go the wrong way so we can get him? You could feel it. And I kept looking back like, I'm going this way. And so I was thinking, I was like, this is a little sketchy. But again, that's in every single new, like you could read that and find that out on the internet, that that's a, a place to be careful. So just be careful. Yeah, most definitely. So you guys did Asia and then you moved over to Europe. Do you have any memorable stories from an, a European country you visited? Oh uh, yeah, there's, there's so many. I mean, we, so we did, um, we did a little bit in um, the Middle East. So we went to Israel and we went to Dubai. We were in Dubai on uh, Scott's birthday and his request was to go out in the desert in these open air Jeeps. And so, you know, we were, as we were traveling, the birthday person got to do whatever they wanted. So even though Kayla wasn't into it, she, she said, okay, let's go. And we hopped in this Jeep and next thing you know, we're literally flying through the air and the whole time I'm screaming I was hugging this guy next to me that I didn't know Scott is having a ball like we're almost rolling over down these massive dunes and then I look over at Kayla and she's like that's <laughs> that's, that's her no face expression at yeah. all she was so pissed I have video of it I just posted it recently and it's yeah. so funny because because you're laughing but you're kind of like what did I'm you make me do yeah. I'm laughing like this is so funny don't kill me and Kayla's like son of a <laughs> and she wouldn't even open her mouth it just it just it's pure get this stupid trip over with that's yeah, what I felt. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was fun yeah but in, so, yeah oh go ahead no go ahead in europe um we had the opportunity to go to poland and we originally weren't planning on going but it was it was uh, one of my favorite places on the planet it's so um, there's so much to it because of the World War II history there. And we were in Krakow. Krakow is almost like, for me, like an enchanted city. There's a castle all the way at the top of a hill right in the center of the city. It's very beautiful and quaint. And then weaved into it is all this crazy World War II history with, um, with a lot of the, um, you know, slaughtering of the, the Jews, as well as the Polish people and other 
people that were uh, were there during the concentration camps. And so we got to do a lot of history and, uh, and visit some historical sites and really weave that into Kayla's education because I was homeschooling, Kayla, Scott was homeschooling her on the road. And so it was the perfect opportunity to weave that World War II history into her education. So, yeah. Very cool. Anything yeah. to add to the European part of the trip, Scott? I'm going to stay on Poland because it was funny because I had this weird experience where, so we flew on lot airlines, which is the international airline of, of Poland and it's a partner of United. So it all worked out for us. So I had worked out all the flights, you know, to get from place to place. So we were going into Warsaw. I'm literally sitting on the plane. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I really like this. I just, I just felt good. And I'm like, I like these people. And then it put two and two together. I'm like, I'm Polish. I'm literally, my grandfather's hundred percent Polish. And I couldn't pick, like, there was a guy and a girl, the flight attendants. I'm like, I love these people. I don't know what it is. And I realized there's some, there's gotta be some like organic connection between your, your actual tribe, your lineage, because it was just the weirdest thing. I felt like I just really liked them and, and I couldn't pinpoint it. Yeah. I think Kim said it. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but these flight attendants, I'm really liking these people. She's like, maybe it's cause you're Polish. I'm like, that's it. That's it. It's me and my poles. Yeah, you felt right at home. I did. I did. And I actually really everything. enjoyed them. The food, that's, everything about it. That's yeah. so cool. I've always heard that you should, whatever your lineage is, you yeah. should always go back and visit that country. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. as an American, we're, we're mutts. And so I have to visit four different countries. But, you yeah. know, that's that. I think there's something cool about that. Yeah. You guys ended your trip. Um, and the first place you came back when you stopped in America was Boston. And that's where Scott is originally from. So what was that like coming back and ending your trip? Was it anticlimactic? What did it feel like? Um, for me, I think it was the right time for all of us. We were exhausted. I see, think about traveling even for a week or two on vacation, all the energy that you put into preparing and then going on the trip and then coming home, you feel exhausted. So think about doing that for a whole year. And then think about that with traveling with a daughter that's not really interested in being there. So she was so excited. So it was the perfect timing for all of us to come home. And I remember we went to go visit Scott's sister for a few days. And the very first thing that we did was we went and got some local food that we loved, a sandwich that we liked. But then I had to run into CVS for a minute to grab some supplies. And I remember checking out and the woman was like, oh, it's you know $10.79. And I looked at her and I was like, that's it. That's like, I didn't have to think about the exchange. I didn't have to think where I put my credit card, like all the things when you're traveling, like it was just so easy. So I started laughing. She must've thought I was like this crazy woman, but I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so easy. Gave her my money. And I, I just remember the ease of being home because you're not translating, you know, you're not, you're it, when you're traveling, you're on 24 seven, you know, you're always having to think about where I am and how can I, how can I make it in this like foreign area? And so being home was so relaxing and peaceful and, and it felt really good for me. Cool. What about you, Scott? So I had a slight bit of disappointment, but I had to uh, deal with that. So we were in England and uh, we had a great time in London and we went to Camden and we went and saw the amazing, um, what was that thing that's supposed to be amazing? The, um, what, what oh, yeah. the Stonehenge. It was, Stonehenge. It was so, so silly. Don't do it. So, so we, we, we did all that. And literally two days before we're flying out the airline that we were flying on, we got first class tickets on this airline to Iceland. And we were supposed to go for like four days. 
just to check out Iceland and they went out of business. It was called Wow Airlines. It, it was this big purple plane and we were all excited. And there's a reason that first class ticket was like 400 bucks. It's because they were about to go out of business right then. So yeah. at the last minute, by the time we had to convert everything, we ended up going back to Boston. So I had this, I, I, I imagine I'm a manifester. So as things are happening, I'm like, and next we'll be here and we're going to be in this beautiful area. And then I had to go, not like I had to go to Boston, but it took me a minute that I was like, we're not going to Iceland. But then as soon as I got, there's this roast beef sandwich that you get in Boston that just changes everything. So if you're ever mad, you go back to that food where you're a kid. And as soon as that roast beef melted in my mouth, I was like, we cool. <laughs> so, Very no, cool. <laughs> so you mentioned that you were schooling your daughter on the world travel trip. And uh, what are some things that uh, maybe you could share with others who are thinking of taking their own kids with them on a world trip? Starting with yeah. Scott. That's a really, really good question. And, and here's the thing. I mean, wh one of the things that's hard with, with kids is pushing them to, you know, do certain things that we decide are good for them. And then at some point saying, hey, they need to make decisions and be part of the decision process. So I'll say this. I'm a big fan of letting Kayla pick whatever creative activity she wants, whatever sport she wants, go to the school she wants and support her decisions. But this was one of those few things where in my mind, I thought this is something that we should do as a family. Now, I can't say this is the truth for every family. I don't know everybody's kid, but I truly believe and I see it unfolding now that to bring your kid on a trip like this is the ultimate education experience. And so her mind, because, you know, she's a child, she's saying, I'm not going to be smart. I'm going to come back. I'm going to be behind. I'm going to be upset. You're ruining my life. You're destroying me. <laughs> And that makes total sense based on the what they feel because they're on autopilot, go from first grade to second grade to third grade. This interruption doesn't make sense, but she's seeing it now. And so she's saying, wow, I know a chunk of a second language. I've seen these things live. We were studying the Panama Canal in sixth grade when I wasn't there. We were at the Panama Canal. We were talking about the Holocaust. I was literally at this place. Like, like she was in all the places. And now she's like, I get it now. And so she's starting to sink into that. So if your kid can handle it or your children can handle it, the educational experience is going to make them 5,000 times of a better human being. And think of what we've got going on in our world right now. People lack perspective. And because of that, they lean into one tribe. So it's me versus you versus you. Once you meet so many tribes, you realize we're just trying to do the same thing, be happy, and you become an exponentially better person. So please do this for you. Please do this for your kids. And if they can handle it, do it. Yeah. And so this was uh, Kayla's sixth grade. If anybody's sixth wondering. grade, perfect yeah. year to do it. The first year of middle school, they don't have to go into that. You know, it's the, I, I can't suggest a better year. Mm -hmm. and what yeah. do you have to add to that, Kim? Yeah, I agree with Scott. You know, we chose sixth grade because it was going to be a transition year. And then also she was going to be old enough to have some endurance because she was carrying her own luggage. You know, she needed to be able to have a little bit of stamina in order to be able to keep up. But also we wanted her to remember this experience, you know, when they're very young, you know, it's a nice thing to do, but they may not remember the experience. And then she's still young enough to like us and be willing to go. So that was like kind of the balance between all of it. I have to say that, you know, we, she went to traditional public school before that and, and after we came back. 
And I was very overwhelmed personally with all the choices that you could, all the routes you can go with homeschooling. Mm -hmm. So I, unfortunately, it was kind of a foolish thing. I Googled right when I was kind of tapping into the whole homeschool thing, I Googled homeschool and about a thousand different options came up. So ultimately, I felt like, um, you know, we had a lot of flexibility and the school that she was going to return to said all we really needed to do was provide a report card for for five basic, uh, you know, for the main classes. And I, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, are you sure that's all you need to get back? They said yes. And so from there, we were inspired to just roll with it and use, you know, our experiences of where we were, the countries that we're in to weave the local culture, the local geography, the food, you know, history, all that into her studies. So it was actually really mind expanding, not only for her, but for us as well. I mean, it was, it was, we really got creative. It was an awesome experience. And as the, I was going to say, as the Goyette Academy principal, I definitely think that we had a pretty good school. Yeah, he was, he was principal Goyette. I was teacher Goyette and she yeah. was the valedictorian of the oh, school. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was also the lunch lady. Really oh. good at my job. Janitor. Yeah, <laughs> yep. did it all. we did it all. Did it all. So, I remember when you came home at the Christmas break, there was a conversation about maybe she's staying with your, your parents, the grandparents and not continuing on. There was like a, maybe a moment and then maybe a wake up call. And so she decided, okay, no, I'll continue on and keep doing this. But it was good that you gave her that option to like, well, you know, me and Scott, we're going to take off or you're, you're welcome to come or welcome to stay with the grandparents, you know? So that might be a conversation you have to have with your kids as far as negotiating and compromising. Right. Exactly. Yeah. She, I have to say she was an excellent sport throughout the whole year And, you know, we had incented her in the beginning of the trip that when we got back that she would get a puppy. And so we literally landed and there was a puppy waiting for her. So that was like the incentive throughout the whole trip. We we could have been looking at the most magical or the most historical site ever. And she'd be like, and when I get my puppy, I'm going to dress him up and I'm going (laughs) to... So it's true. like it's another uh, it's just another old building yeah. right exactly yeah, yeah. it's just an, another old broken yeah. building <laughs> here we are in patagonia and the sun's out and we're looking at the twin towers and oh you know it'd be cool if we have this puppy with us right now i'm like yeah, yeah. that'd be great exactly <laughs> so there's a lot of things to think about when doing a world travel you have to think about getting your money arranged you have to think about accommodations you have to think about safety you have to think about managing your stress. Um, so what are some lessons or strategies you would give somebody if they're thinking of embarking on a world travel trip, starting with Kim? Yeah. You know, so we did, we put a lot of energy into planning this trip. Scott put a lot of energy into actually implementing all the details of the, the logistics of travel. And so when we got back from our trip, We had so much information and it was kind of information built on hard knocks, lessons learned throughout the process, you know, a lot of sweat and tears that we put into the whole process. And so when we got back, I thought, oh my gosh, this experience was so incredibly huge for us. And I want to share it. I want the average person to know that they can do this too, because we are not wealthy. We are just an average income family. 
and we were able to do it. And if we can do it, anyone can do it. So I sat down and for the next two years since coming back, little by little, I, I wrote a book and the book's intention was all about holding your hand through the entire process. So how to plan your trip, where to go, how to fund your trip, what to pack, and then all the details in between that you need in order to make it successful so that you don't have to have the blood, sweat, and tears that, that we did. I mean, we already did the work for you. Why not duplicate it? So I, we ended up um, writing a book and it's called Just Plain Crazy, Plain Like the Airplane, The Ultimate Guide to Affordable, Adventurous World Travel. And it's an amazing resource. Not only that, it has some hilarious stories and bloops and blunders, which were a lot. I mean, we made so many mistakes along the way. And so I wanted to write this book so that people didn't have to make those same mistakes. Very cool. Anything to add, Scott? Yeah, I and mean, it's it's literally all in there. Um, you know, she wrote it and the the way she wrote it and the flow of it is is perfect and magical. It's right on point. And I've got one chapter in there just giving you guys a heads up and an idea on how to do the logistics because all pieces are important. And one thing to add too that's important to your question originally, Lisa, is it's very important that each person, you know, husband and wife or, or partners or team that they have a skill set and they do it. So Kim would make sure, you know, look for money exchange, anything we need to worry about safety or this. And I would make sure we had the best hotel for the value, flying at the right times, anything that we're going to see that, you know, timing wise, we have for a festival or a new year. And so I would take care of all that. She'd do her stuff. We know that when we showed up, something great was going to happen. And it always did. And there was some mishaps. And that's why you got to get the book because there's, there's some funny, I mean, there's definitely, think about it, a year, three people yeah. stuffed in a hotel room, going from place to place, speaking different languages. You're going to have some really funny stories unless you're really lame people. Yeah. I mean, not that lame. We're fine. <laughs> Most definitely. So you definitely have the book as a resource, but you guys also have a travel consultant business. Uh, Scott, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. So one of the things that I do is if you guys want to get in contact with me, I can help you get the correct credit cards, the ones, because there's a preparation too. You know, I'm talking about manifestation and all. Um, paint that picture. But in painting that picture too, being aligning, you know, aligned with Marriott or Hilton, aligning with United, making sure that you have the, the car that allows you to stay in the clubs at the hotels for free. I mean, at the airports for free. I mean, you might be in an airport overnight. How cool is it if the place has a bed or they have showers? We had all of that. We were always in first class situations because we prepared, we'd get free nights, free points. I can give you guys, I'd tell you an exact strategy based on your needs and your expectations to make sure that your trip is both affordable, adventurous, and magical. So very cool. Anything to add, Kim? Yeah, I'll give you a, an idea. So before we left for our trip, Scott did a lot of investigating on which credit cards to start using in order to rack up points. So we had a United credit card so that we could really stay in alignment with that and, and earn status which helped us with lounges, like Scott said, upgrades, free luggage, all that stuff. And then we had a hotel credit card and we aligned with uh, Marriott and Hilton. And that helped us with free dinners and happy hours, free breakfast. And when you're on the road and you have a budget, that really helps with your bottom line, right? So if you're getting free meals, well then, hey, you can spend that money that you 
allocated on meals to something fun to do. So it was kind of interesting because Scott did such a good job at the preparation that when we left for our trip, we had several weeks of free stays. And when we were on our trip, we did maybe about three months of free stays um, just based on using our credit cards and points, you know, in the right way. And he did an amazing job at at that. So there is, there are definitely ways to travel affordably and effectively and, and really have some free time. You know, we rented out both our homes so that we could have a residual income. And then we just worked part-time while we were on the road and the rest of the time was out exploring and having fun. So there is an absolute way to do it. And our business, our travel business is called Just Plain, P-L-A-N-E, Just Plain Crazy Travel will help you. We're like a travel concierge for you. We can help set that up for you. Yes, and you yeah. guys have the wisdom and the experience to uh, back it up. Yes, yeah. Scott? I was gonna say, and definitely if you go there and it says on um, like credit card links, the first thing you wanna do regardless is start setting up some points. And the reason I recommended Marriott is because they've expanded a bond voice. So they've got Sheridan, they've got Ritz Carlton's, all kinds of hotels nation internationally now. Mm -hmm. So one of the cool things with that is when you get a free night, um, in the United States, it might be 40,000 points, but you can get 20,000 point or 10,000 point hotels that are great in other countries. And if you stay five nights, you buy four, get one free. So for like 40,000 points in another country would be one night here, you get five nights. So what we were doing is we'd do a five night rotation. So we'd stay in Krakow for five nights for free. We'd stay in um, Warsaw for free. We'd go to Romania for free. And we were getting such great point turnarounds that what I was, you know, spending on credit cards here, when I was flipping it around, it was pennies on the dollar. I mean, I literally could show you how to do it. Um, if you guys are interested at all, go to that site, justplaincrazytravel.com. Go down to the chosen credit cards, click on those links. We get a kickback on that too. And we appreciate your support because we like to help you. And that we can give you free advice because we get a kickback from them instead of you. So very cool. So you guys did all, do, uh, did all the hard work that, you know, other people can definitely uh, benefit from. That's go. right. So we're getting to the end of this. Um, do you guys have any last minute pertinent things that you would like to add on the topic of world travel, starting with Kim? So if you have an inkling in your mind that you want to go on an adventure, it doesn't have to be for a year. It can be any type of long-term travel, whether it's for a month or three months or a season, whatever it is, a half a year. Step towards your fear and do it because I promise you what is on the other side is absolutely magical. And it is was one of the greatest gifts of our life I, is to be able to do this as a family was even better, but whether you're traveling solo with a friend, a partner or your family, anyone can do it. And there's resources to help you. Very good. Scott. It's this simple. 90% of your brain is, or 90% of the things that you're thinking during the day come from your subconscious mind and only 10% are conscious. When we're going around in this country, we're on autopilot almost all the time. You have no choice but to get off autopilot. Like Kim said, you're changing currency. You see something new. So it's literally like being a child, the curiosity, the wonder, you can't avoid it. So all the things that made life beautiful when you're a kid, you said those are gone. Those are gone because you stayed on autopilot. You cannot be anything else but filled with wonder and curiosity. Go to your childlike state, go to other places, see the world, enhance your perspective. There's no way you'll regret it. That's all I got. 
Oh, that's very well said. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for coming on my channel today. I sure do appreciate it. Thank and if, you. Yes. Thank you. Thank if, you. Thank you. And if you guys like this video, please give it a thumbs up and don't forget to share and subscribe and hit the bell to be alerted to when the next video drops. Thanks for watching. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Love See you. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye-bye.